0: Welcome to Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We've uh, got lots of great stuff in store for you today as far as technology news and information is concerned. All in this hour, we'll uh, be looking uh, at things like Android Auto. This is uh, a new update to the Android Auto interface, something that you can use if you have an Android smartphone in your car. We'll also be talking with uh, Sean Silkoff, a business reporter over at the Globe and Mail, who says that maybe the Trump victory could be a win for Canadian tech. Some good news out of all of this. Finally, some good news. Finally. And uh, we'll be talking with our good friend, Dan Bader. He's a senior editor over at Mobile Nations about Google Home and how Google is infiltrating everything. Pretty Pretty much. Pretty Pretty much. much. But we knew that already. In the news this week, uh, Andy, lots of uh, interesting uh, stuff, but I I just want to... Touch back to something we were talking about last week, your, uh, your battle with your cell phone carrier.
1: Yes. Okay. So if anyone that listened last week, I was ta- telling Mike um, just as the show started about an incident I had. You know, we all have data plans with our cell phone. And I was tethering off my phone. I created a hotspot off my phone to check emails on my laptop on my way to work. The problem was I forgot to turn the hotspot off. And so now I'm at work, and I'm working for hours, watching videos and everything, <laughs> and it was using my data plan on my phone. And you went over. And I went over within like two weeks. Yes. So I had like two more weeks to go through, and I'm already capped on my data plan. So I told you last week I was going to call my carrier, which was Fido, and I was going to have this super long conversation, and you said, there's no way you're going to be able to Because I
0: ran into the same thing. I had gone through my data cap- Uh, On all these smartphone plans, uh, you basically, for the most part, have how much data you can use a month, whether it's a gigabyte or two gigabytes. And so the more pictures that you look at, the more video you stream, the faster you use that up. And if you go over, you get charged more for it. And in my case, I had the same issue. I went over and... There was no way for me to add any more data. I just had to eat up the overage charges.
1: But what they do is at 90%, they'll send you a text message saying that you're 90% at your data cap. Do you want to top up? With more data. And both of us didn't do that. No. So I got the 100% notice like shortly after. And then I was like, what do I do? Do I disconnect off the data well, plan? Well, you can't because your whole world will crash. I- exactly. So I told you I was going to have this, this super long conversation with Fido and I was going to make them um, try to reimburse me or do something if I'm as a good customer service.
0: Yes, and I went
1: through that. I went through that and they told me tough cookies. So here's what happened. Same thing. They said, well, you know, it's after the fact. I'm sorry, there's really nothing we can do. What I did, and this is the thing, anybody that calls their, their carrier, you know, you're usually angry and you're mad. The first thing is, I found the guy's name. I think his name was Jim or something like that. And I'm like, come on, Jim. You know, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I left the hotspot feature on. My bad. Blew through your data. But, like, you, there's got to be something you can do. you got to help a, help, help a brother out here. What happened was, after conversing with them, not that we were going to have a two-hour conversation to make this happen, but within 20 minutes, and I was cooking eggs at the same time. 20 (laughs) minutes? I'm making eggs on a Sunday morning. I'm talking to this guy, and he's like, you know what, I can't give you any more data right now, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this on your file that you're going to get a $20 credit so that when you do go over and you pay your bill, you call in, you give this little ID number, and you're going to get $20 to your bill. So essentially, they just gave me an extra gig of data, And I think the reason why it happened is I was being very friendly, I was being nice, I was being personable, and they did that. As soon as he did that, I said, I need to talk to your supervisor. And he's like, why? I go, because usually they get bad news. Today, your, your supervisor is going to get great news. Oh, that's very nice. So I called the supervisor. I told her exactly what happened. I said, you know, this, this fellow Jim here helped me out and um, everyone said that you guys weren't going to help me, and, and he did, and you guys always get bad, you know, c- calls. I just want to say that you guys made my day. Thank you very much. If there's anything else I can do, let me know. And she said, we're going to email you soon with a survey. If you could fill that out, uh, that'd be great. And I said, absolutely. So, oh, look at that. Look, it worked out. And, like, we always have these horror stories. Unfortunately, you're probably gone, like, $100 over your data. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Turned the data back on and started yeah. started uh, streaming videos again. But you know there is a way, and I think the piece of advice is to just go there, talk like a person. Don't get too angry because they know how to deal with that, and they get really reactive.
0: Yeah. And if you just and then, nice, you go, then it goes nowhere fast.
1: And if you've been a customer for a long time, they they can see that, and they will try to take care of you.
0: Well, kind of good news.
1: It is good news. Yeah. So just don't go through your data. Well, I've learned my lesson. So um, yes. every time I put that hotspot on. Before I close my laptop, I turn it off because I don't want to go through that again. You're going to forget again. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Knowing me, yes. Uh,
0: also in the news, uh, Microsoft's come out uh, or is coming out with a, uh, a new, uh, I don't even know how to call it, team collaboration software called Microsoft Team to compete against Slack. And, you know, I don't know if a lot of listeners have heard of Slack or, or actually used it. They might have heard of it. Uh, Slack is... Uh, uh, an app uh, that you can use on your smartphone or on your uh, Windows or your Mac that essentially is kind of a messaging app for for businesses for work uh, groups that uh, I guess the main goal is to reduce the amount of uh, email you get in your inbox you know if you 're in a company, you probably get dozens if not hundreds of emails from internal communications, and so what Slack has done, and it's very popular now, and we're actually starting to use it uh, in our company, uh, you set up little channels, so it's like it's kind of like a messaging program, but you can set up channels for certain projects or certain groups, and everything goes through there, and it it really does reduce the amount of clutter you get in your your email.
1: Yeah, and so Microsoft has now announced that they're going to get into this with, uh, I believe it's called Team, Microsoft Team. Uh, It's going to roll out in the first quarter. I'm mad now because we just got Slack, but we use like Office 365 in the office. Microsoft, yeah. So my only question is, and we gotta look into this. If it can integrate it with your email so that you don't have, and to Outlook, have yeah. so you don't have to have these two ecosystems. So you have to check your email, then you gotta check your Slack. If it can just kind of amalgamate that together, then it it's gonna have a powerful option because a lot of businesses use Microsoft for their email services. They use Office 365 for Word, Excel, PowerPoint. So, you know, I think Microsoft has a chance at this. Um, the only question is, how does it integrate your email? And is that something that I know we're going to have to look at to see if we will uh, stay with Slack or maybe we should consider going the, the Microsoft route for this uh, team-based chat services. Do you follow Kickstarter? Uh, Sometimes, yes. So Kickstarter, it's a a website uh, that helps you crowdsource
0: funds. So it's for inventors and dreamers that want to get a project off the ground. They want to maybe create a new product uh, or start a new service. And they can basically create a page on Kickstarter and ask for money from the Internet. And if they hit their goal, then they can hopefully go out and and make that particular product. So I always go up there just to see what kind of cool new inventions. Uh, So there's a new one that is – is launching on there. It's a Wi-Fi cookie oven. Okay. So this it's is... Like a, it's like the, the, the Keurig of, of cookie makers. So I'm... Um, you know like a Keurig, you put the little coffee pods yeah. in and you get like a latte or cappuccino. Well, here you get little dough pods. Oh. And essentially uh, the machine scans the barcode on the dough pod. You put the dough into the unit and it'll make you a cookie within 10 minutes. Well, hold on. A cookie or cookies? A cookie. It can make up to wait, 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 wait. It can make up to four cookies.
1: Okay, okay. But this
0: is like instant gratification. Yes. Have you ever just thought, God, I need a chocolate chip cookie. Not only just a cookie, but a nice warm, cookie. I know, cookie, a yes. warm, you know, freshly baked cookie. Yes. Well, now your dreams can come true. So they're uh, saying that uh, if they hit their goal and they're able to make these, uh, they'll cost about two hundred fifty bucks a pop. Uh, the dough pods around seventy five cents to two dollars a pod, depending on what kind of cookie,
1: yeah, kind of cookie you get, you want, but. I'm I'm pretty excited about this. So, are you uh, putting some funds? Are you going to back this up, or are you just going to wait to see if it if it actually comes out? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Uh,
0: they if you if you subscribe now to it, uh, the price will be two fifty when it hits the the store shelves. But if you subscribe to it now for a hundred dollars, you can get one, which is a greatly reduced price.
1: And what, where where are they at right now in terms of funding?
0: Uh, I think they just started, so they're trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars to start this thing up. And what do they got, like $10? Well, it's, it's, it's a cookie machine. <laughs> They're going to hit this thing fast.
1: Well, a lot of people like cookies and they, they love tech. So you just got to find the uh, cookie tech lover out there to, to back that up. Someone like yourself. It's like an easy bake
0: oven for cookies.
1: Yes. I just, the, this whole pot thing, that's really how they make their money, right? Yeah, it's called the Chip Smart Cookie Oven. Chip See, Smart Cookie. This is what technology was made for. Yes, to solve world problems like fresh baked cookies. <laughs> From a pod. Um, I'm I'm excited about it. We're
0: going to have to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Dan Bader about Google Home and uh, Google helping you have a connected home. You listen to Get Connected. We'll be back right after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Still got lots to talk about in today's show. Later on, we'll be talking with Ted Christsonis. He's uh, an independent tech journalist about uh, the new Android Auto interface for Android uh, smartphones. And uh, also, could a Trump victory be a win for Canadian tech? Maybe. Maybe so. We'll find out. <laughs> we we'll be talking with our friend uh, Sean Silkoff, uh, business reporter over in the Globe and Mail. On the line right now, we've got uh, our good friend Dan Bader. He's a senior editor over at Mobile Nations. Thanks for joining us, Dan.
2: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back.
0: Wanted to talk about Google and uh, all the this that's uh, been happening over the past few weeks and uh, months. Uh, they're uh, really uh, pushing forward into the whole hardware space, uh, especially into the home. Tell us about the the home uh, arena. What are they into there now?
1: Well, you know that
2: Google has had a lot of success with its Chromecast and that was really the first I guess project the company experimented with in the home, attaches to the TV, lets you stream content now. It's bringing a speaker, I guess, uh, called Google Home, and it competes directly with Amazon's Echo, which has found a huge amount of, of success, surprisingly so, uh, in the last 18 months since it's, since it's released. So Google Home is exactly that. It's a speaker that you can talk to. You just say, uh, I'm not going to say the words in case anybody's listening and it activates something in their house, but you say blank Google, and it gets them uh, a prompt. And that prompt lets you ask Google anything because it's a search engine. So not only can you ask it things like, who is the next president of the United States? And it'll give you that surprising answer, but it'll also tell you, it'll also let you you know play music. It'll let you uh, subscribe to news. It'll let you do a whole bunch of stuff. And soon it'll let you do things like turn on your lights and even unlock your front door if you're interested.
0: Well, it's kind of an exciting development for them, but uh, as you were saying, Amazon's had their Echo out for uh, quite a while now, uh, but we haven't seen that in Canada yet. It's pretty big down in the U.S.
2: Amazon has a special relationship with countries outside of the U.S. It's very nervous about bringing products like the Echo up to Canada because it requires so much localization. And one thing Google has over Amazon is a huge network of distribution. It has all of this data. It's been in market uh, as a search engine for, you know, 20 years or so. And uh, it's done a whole lot of work to make sure that everything it launches in, in particular countries works properly. Whereas Amazon tries to do something properly in the U.S. And if it finds uh, success, it'll roll it out to places like the UK because that's a much bigger market. Canada may never get the echo officially. I have one in my house and it it doesn't actually understand where I am. It thinks that I'm in New York because that's the closest <laughs> state to me. So when I ask for the weather, it gives it, it gives me the Rochester weather cuz I'm in Toronto. And that's fine because it's fairly similar, but it also means that I don't get to do things like um you know, play music from CBC unless I have an app that actually recognizes CBC as a possibility, whereas Google Home, when it's released in Canada, will likely have all of that localization built right in.
1: Dan, what happens if you have a family and everyone's on Google? They all have Gmail, they might have an Android phone, and they live in that Google interface. Is Google Home going to be able to discern who's who, or can you only sign up to one Google account?
2: Yeah, Andy, that, that's a, a really good question, and it's something that Google's been tackling ever since it announced this product and likely long before, because of the way assistant is set up, it's really Andy's assistant or Mike's assistant or Daniel's assistant, even though it recognizes anybody's voice. So you can activate it, but if you set a reminder or add an event to your calendar, it's going to add it to Andy's calendar. And right now that's a problem because especially families with kids, they're going to want to talk to this thing all day long, and you may end up finding some pretty funny calendar entries that you didn't expect because your kids wanted to have some fun with Google Home. So it says it's working on it, and it's going to be launching something, we don't know exactly what, in the new year, but for now, if you have more than one person at home wanting to use this, you have to recognize that it's going to add all of that content and maybe mess up your search history. Because it's associated with the, you know, the the main uh, tech person in the house.
1: You know, you, Dan, you mentioned a good point. You know, like one of the issues about this has got to be security, because you know we've already seen with these connected home devices like the Philips Hue that you can still hack into it. Has Google done any kind of security around the Google Home to to ensure that it's not going to get hacked? Because imagine you have a speaker that's listening all the time. Just think of what hackers could do with something like that.
2: Absolutely. And Google's embedded a lot of encryption between uh, the phone and the home itself in order to prevent any attacks, both from the outside and while you're, uh, while you're talking to it. So obviously, when you're speaking to something that's always listening, it's taking in whatever it hears. But it can only do Whatever has been whatever it's been programmed to do, and there's a failsafe called the Google Home app, and that's the app that works in tandem with uh, with the unit itself that lives on your phone, and it's always plugged in to your particular account. So even if you're not at home, if you're outside and you are uh, aware of, of something happening with your uh, w- with the hardware. You can check in the app to see what's going on, and you can cut off access completely. So it's always going to be subject to a person in the room messing with it. But in terms of external hacking, I think you're safe for now because it is associated with your Google account. And if your Google account is set up to be secure with things like two-factor authentication, then you should be fine.
0: I could just say the Google words right now, like, okay, Google, send Mike Agarbo 50 bucks. And everyone listening to the radio (laughs) show right now would be sending me money. Well,
2: Mike, you just got uh, $100 richer. (laughs) Uh, Exactly.
1: (laughs) Hold on, Mike. You made a good point. I I don't like the, the way they have that command where you have to say, "Okay, Google, because if you keep saying that, it just sounds weird. Why can't you talk to it? Like Amazon Echo, it's called Alexa. It has a name. Dan, why do you think that they didn't go with the name convention?
2: Because Google is the name. That's the funny part. I think Google wants itself to be Siri or Alexa. It wants the word Google to be a friendly, you know, cuddly name that you are going to feel comfortable saying out loud all the time. I've had problems uh, saying it for years because it's been associated with things like Google Now where you can access your phone using just your voice and the, the term, you know, okay Google is very awkward and I just activated about six things in my room by saying that. But <laughs> You know, it, it is a, it is quite awkward to say. So they allow you to say, hey, Google, which is a little bit less awkward.
0: We're talking with Dan Bader, senior editor over at Mobile Nations. So I want to thank you for joining us today, Dan.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for
0: having me. Well, we're back from the break. Could a Trump victory be a win for the Canadian tech sector? We'll find out. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here in studio. Still lots to talk about today in the tech world Uh, Coming up in a couple uh, segments, we'll uh, be talking with Christina about App of the Week and also our friend Ted Critsonis. He's uh, a tech journalist uh, talking about Android Auto 2 for your car. On the line right now, we've uh, got our friend Sean Silkoff. He's a technology reporter over at the Globe and Mail and also co-author of Losing the Signal, The Rise and Fall of BlackBerry, which is a whole show in itself (laughs) in the future. Uh, But I wanted to bring you on today, Sean, uh, to talk about uh, the Canadian tech sector and Donald Trump. And uh, you have some interesting thoughts on this. Could the uh, Trump uh, presidential victory be a win for Canadian tech?
3: Well, it's uh <laughs> like everybody in North America. Um everyone woke up on Wednesday uh trying to figure out uh what this meant for them. Uh it means various things, whether you're worried about NAFTA or whatnot. And and the tech industry in Canada has a a very particular problem and the problem is that it's really successful <laughs> and it's a lot of the uh, a lot of the companies that are startups are starting to scale up and there's a real shortage of good quality talent both on the engineering side and on the executive side um, executives have you know been there Done that. People who say have been VPs at Amazon or Facebook or whatnot, and more often than not, these companies have been looking to um, bring in that talent from out of the country. And typically, what happens is it, it takes you know six to twelve months to get their uh, to get their uh, papers processed, and that's just too long for the for the tech sector. So. They actually got some great concessions out of the uh, government the other week, which promised to uh, streamline the system and make it easier. But you still got this tech sector that, uh, in Canada that has uh, what is estimated to be uh, 200,000 uh, job openings by 2020, so not enough people here to fill them. And uh meanwhile, we know that there's a ton of Canadians in Silicon Valley. Um, a lot of them have very senior jobs in some of those big companies. And uh, there have been efforts for years to try and get some of these people to come back to Canada. Well, along comes Donald Trump, and he's like a one-man... <laughs> Advertisement um, for uh, for recruiting efforts. So, uh, we had a story in the Globe on uh, on Thursday that talked about suddenly this <laughs> quite a bit of inbound interest uh, among the Canadian uh, tech sector from Canadians, particularly, and and even some Americans south of the border, kind of wondering about what it's like to come work in Canada.
0: Do you think we can? Uh Obviously, people are concerned about stability, but do you think we can offer the uh, the wages that uh, the the U.S. can?
3: Well, that's one challenge. The other challenge is the opportunities. Um, you know, you come up to Vancouver, let's say, for a job at let's you know, argue Hootsuite or or Build Direct. Um, you know, that's great to have one job, but in the Valley, um, things don't work out. People make job changes all the time, and there's you know, ten or fifteen opportunities you could have down the road if you come up to Vancouver. You're making a pretty big commitment. You're leaving your natural network and also huge amounts of other opportunities. If you came to work at Hootsuite, for example, and it didn't work out, it's not like you can walk out the door and find 10 other jobs down on, on House Street or uh, or Cranville. Uh, there's not that many companies yet. So you do see a lot of reticence among people to leave um, leave Silicon Valley and come here. But it does happen, and it's happening in uh, certainly a number of companies I know of that have successful in bringing up those good high-level hires for senior jobs up in Canada. Sean, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody in Silicon Valley
1: uh, why they're worried about Donald Trump. You know, this is a guy who who basically said he doesn't do email, he got his first computer in like 2007, and his cybersecurity platform is basically, I'm going to call Bill Gates and get him to shut down the internet, so he doesn't really seem (laughs) to be a very tech-savvy person, you know, outside of say Twitter, but do um, do you get that feeling with the people in in the Valley that are really concerned? Because if you look at California, they were all voting for Hillary, but uh, of course Donald Trump did win the election.
3: Yeah, well, you know it's interesting. One of the um, one of the leading venture capitalists in Silicon Valley, Peter Thiel, was uh, you know a senior advisor to. Uh uh, to Donald Trump. I mean, you can't really stop innovation. Um, obviously, innovation and and some of the trade agreements are the, that have been signed over the years are part contributing factor to the a lot of the job losses we've seen in those uh, in those red states or uh, you know a lot of the states turned out to be red more than anyone had expected. Um, so you know that's going to be an issue and it's going to be more of a tension point going forward because the machines that are being developed um, around the world, but particularly in Silicon Valley are getting smarter. this very sophisticated artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning algorithms that are making the machines smart enough to do things that machines haven't been able to do by themselves yet. There was a book that came out last year called The Rise of the Robots, and it argues that you know machines have, are going to take millions and millions more jobs um, from people uh, in in the coming years. So there's going to be a real question that all governments face: U.S., Canada, anywhere. What are we going to do about all these people who are going to be displaced by machines? So this is a bigger issue, and I think it's. I think it does contribute to some of the angst we've seen, not just in America, but also in in Europe with Brexit. And and I think when it comes to what the machines are going to be able to do to supplant people, we're really we haven't even really got there yet. I mean, so that issue is what we've seen the kind of anger we've seen already. We haven't even begun to see the impact that that's going to have on the economy and the workforce, et cetera.
0: Well, it's going to be definitely interesting uh, times ahead. And to all those Canadians south south of the border, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, we'll see. We'll see if this is just a, an emotional reaction, or if, uh, or if any follow through. Certainly, there's a number of people who are thinking about coming, and I would think this might nudge some of them, and maybe some of them are already talking to Canadian companies. So, you know, if there was any hesitation, this might have removed some of that for them.
0: Talking with Sean Silkoff, He's a technology reporter for the Globe and Mail and also co-author of uh, a fantastic read, Losing the Signal, The Rise and Fall of BlackBerry. Sean, uh, sir, anywhere people can reach
3: you? Uh, I'm easy to find on uh, Twitter. Um, uh, let's see, Facebook, all the usual places, social media. I also accept emails at uh, Silkoff at globeandmail.com.
0: Thanks for joining us, Sean. Thank you. When we come back from the break... All about Android Auto. Android and uh, Apple trying to gain control of your car. Who will you choose? Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy in studio. We've got lots left. A little while here, we'll be talking App of the Week with Christina. Right now, we're going to talk about the car and what's happening inside the car on the line. We've got our friend Ted Kritzonos. He is the independent tech journalist that we love to call when we uh, need an expert. Uh, Ted, you're a car expert
4: uh to, well when it comes to the dash when it comes to <laughs> not so much under the
0: hood <laughs> well i want to talk about uh two big competitors uh, google and apple and uh, they are really making a play for uh i guess the entertainment systems uh, of our cars there's uh, android auto and also apple carplay if you buy a new car you can uh, look for stereos that have that feature basically built in right
4: yeah, yeah. Not all manufacturers are on board just yet. Uh, not all models uh, necessarily have the, the functionality, but it's uh, certainly grown this year for sure.
0: And so, uh, from what I understand so far, uh, you have to have a stereo that supports that feature directly, and uh, then you uh, basically uh, wire in your iPhone or your uh, your Android phone, and uh, it it basically mirrors a lot of the functionality right up on the uh, uh, the entertainment, uh, I, I guess, screen right on the dashboard.
4: Yeah, that's right. So basically what we're talking about here is a, is what, uh, like a projection platform. So the software resides on the phone and then it projects onto, so it's not like a projector in that you're mirroring a screen. It doesn't work like that. Uh, but it's basically taking the, the software on the phone and it's pushing it over to a compatible head unit in the car. Um, so new cars, uh, newer cars that have that functionality, you know, that have that compatibility built in will work just fine. There are also aftermarket head units from like Pioneer or Kenwood uh, that also uh, have the functionality built in. So if you have an older car and you want to swap out your your head unit, you can do that. And uh, I mean, like for me, I have a ten year old car. And I have both platforms in my car because of that.
0: And what's what's the advantage?
4: Uh, I think uh, some of the integration, I think, is just. It's just better. I mean, you know, the fact that you can send a text message or respond to a text message or respond to a WhatsApp message. Uh, With Android Auto, you can respond to a Hangout uh, message if you want to. Uh, You can send one to somebody. I mean, calls are obviously much easier. Spotify, if you listen to Spotify, you can control all that uh, from the screen in the car as opposed to even just touching your phone. So there's a lot of advantages as far as the apps or the features that are compatible with the platforms. There's still a long way to go, but it's a great start so far.
1: Ted, we know distracted driving is a big issue today with a lot of people. Just, you know, having your smartphone in your car and you, you get these text messages and you want to check, but you got to keep your eye on the road. What, what kind of voice activation features, uh, does it work? Like, do you, or do you still have to basically press buttons or can everything be done on the voice with Android Auto and Apple CarPlay?
4: Yeah, it's a good question, Andy. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a combination of both. So in, 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 in CarPlay's case, Siri is built in to the platform, right? So you can tell Siri, hey, you know, uh, read me my latest messages or, uh, like there'll be a pop-up, there'll be a notification that, that comes up on the screen showing that a, someone sent you a message. Uh, you can tap that and then Siri will automatically, uh, ask you if you want to, re- you know, want, do you want me to read the message to you? So on Android Auto, you have Google Now. Uh, And it's a similar kind of thing, so anybody who's using Google now will more or less see the same kind of experience in the car. My hope is that Google actually replaces that with Google Assistant, which is in the Pixel smartphones, uh, which I find to be more accurate and smarter in uh, in, in accessing the various features that the phone has.
0: There's Android Auto 2.0 now. What is this about? Yeah, so
4: Android Auto 2.0 is basically running the platform entirely on the phone, so natively on the phone. So instead of plugging in so that it works with a compatible head unit in the car, it just runs off the phone itself. So the screen and everything and all that. Um, Now, the good news with that is that it basically makes it universal. So if you have a newer car, an older car, and you want to run it off your phone, you can. Google doesn't officially support it on tablets, but I have seen cases where you can run it on a tablet, and then maybe, you know, if the tablet has a SIM card, you can put the SIM card in there, or you can run a hotspot from your phone to the tablet and use it that way if you want a bigger screen. So uh, as long as you have a phone that has Android Lollipop 5.0 or later, uh, you can run the app, uh, which is free to download.
0: Well, it's kind of a nice feature for people that don't have the capability built into their dashboard. Um, they can use basically their smartphone instead.
4: Uh, no question. Yeah, I mean, I I wrote a review of it already, and uh, I used it uh, with very little problem. Um, you know, I was able to stream Bluetooth audio to the car uh, as well, so music wasn't an issue. Um, it's a bit of a smaller screen to to kind of tap, but the icons are big. But it it is a little bit challenging sometimes with that while you're driving. I always recommend wait until you're stopped somewhere, like at a red light or something, before you start fiddling with anything. Uh, But it's uh, no question. It's a great move, and, and hopefully Apple might consider doing the same thing. But somehow I'm not so
1: sure. Ted, these days, <clears throat> I don't even know how I manage to drive a car without Google Maps or having the <laughs> traditional maps. Um, and I know that's a big feature of Android Auto, but they also are the owner of Waze. Can you use Waze inside Android Auto
4: 2.0? No, not yet. Uh, Google had announced back at Google I.O. in the summer that they were going to uh, launch Waze as part of Android Auto by the end of the year. Now, we're getting close to that. You know, we're almost... Six weeks away, basically, from the end of the year. So, uh, hopefully, they stick to that the timeline and that they get it in because uh, I agree with you. I think that to have Google Maps is fine, but to have Waze is just, it just makes it even better. Right? To have two mapping options on Android Auto is great because, as we know, with CarPlay, you only have Apple Maps. You can't use any other navigation platform on uh, on there. So, uh, hopefully, they'll, they'll add Waze by the end of the year in Android Auto, but uh, no word yet on uh, if that's in fact going to be the case.
0: Ted, I want to thank you uh, so much uh, for all the uh, info. Where can people find out more information about you?
4: Uh, I'm on Twitter at ByTeddyK, uh, by, Teddy K, B-Y Teddy K, uh and uh, ByTeddyK.com, where I aggregate all the content I do because
0: I freelance at a bunch of places. We've been talking with Ted
1: Kritzonos, independent tech journalist. Andy, the contest. We've got a fabulous contest. <clears throat> this week, we're giving away the world's smallest all-in-one printer from our friends over at hp it's an hp DeskJet. it can print it can scan i don't know if it could fax but if you're still faxing you know i feel sorry for you <laughs> uh you could also print directly from your mobile devices directly uh to this printer all you got to do is go to our website getconnectedmedia.com and enter and win the hp desk jet 3758 all-in-one printer
0: well, we're going to have to take another break. Uh, there's still more to come. Of course, uh, at the end of the show, we've got uh, Christina Stoyanova with her app of the week. And you want to stay tuned for this one. It's uh, it's pretty cool with the kids out there. Right you, already, now. you already know? Oh, yeah. I've, I, I got a, a sneak peek. Oh, lucky you. We'll be back shortly after this. You are back with Get Connected by Canadian Studio. Don't forget to enter our contest. We are giving away on our website at getconnectedmedia.com and HP DeskJet. 3758 all-in-one printer this is an awesome little all-in-one printer because it's so small you won't believe how small it is and all the capabilities of it fantastic uh, for condos and dorm rooms uh, as well if you want more information and want to enter the contest hit the contest tab at getconnectedmedia.com and enter to win also up on our website you can check out our regular uh, video segments that we uh, upload there everything from how-to segments to the latest uh, product overviews as well all the latest tech gadgets well it's that time of the week we've got uh, christina stoyanova in studio app of the week what uh what have you got
5: i have an app that's apparently popular with the young kids
0: that's what i hear
5: yeah i know i'm a little confused about this one but okay let's go with it (laughs) what's it called it's called house party
0: House party. So I know about this because my daughter was telling me the other night as she's going up to her room that she was going to do a house party. I'm like, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) And then she had to explain to her, uh, you know, older but very hip dad uh, that, no, this is a new app.
5: Well, you know what? I have to admit you are pretty hip because you told me about this, which means I am completely out of touch.
0: And you call yourself a millennial. Yeah, yeah, I'm failing. You know what that means? <laughs> you are officially old now.
5: I am officially old. It's happened. So,
0: so what does this one do?
5: Um, It's a group video chat app.
0: So, so you, we've kind of seen these things before.
5: Well, we've seen video chat. We've seen group chat. I'm not sure that we've seen one with it together.
0: Okay. And so it's... We've seen video chats. Uh you know, Apple has its FaceTime, Google has Duo. There's a number of these different types of video chats out there, these these apps, but typically it's a one-on-one.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so what does House Party do?
5: So it lets you create rooms and then you can join those chats. Um which kind of reminds me of the good old days of chat rooms. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that in the nineties. For
0: better or for worse, yes.
5: Um so it kind of reminds me of that. But it's in video form,
0: and and how does that work? How many can you get on the screen at one time?
5: Um, from what I can see from other screens, I don't have enough friends who
0: <laughs> use again this old thing. loser.
5: <laughs> uh, you can see like six different tiles on your screen. That is crazy. I know. I just don't understand how that works in terms of your data and streaming all that video.
0: Well, I'm sure we can talk to Andy about this because he's obviously going to get this app and totally go over his data cap again and phone fight. Oh, hey, I accidentally went over my data cap. <laughs> uh, from what I understand, though, too, this is from the the makers of Meerkat. And uh, you know, for those listeners who don't know what Meerkat was, uh, this was a a video streaming uh, app uh, that would let you do live video streaming of events. Yeah. Uh, and then Twitter came out with its Periscope. competitor Periscope. That's which right. we've tried a few times on the, uh, the radio show. But recently, in the past few months, Meerkat actually shut down. It was just too much competition from uh, things like Facebook and uh, Facebook Video and obviously Periscope. And now this is a whole new direction for that team.
5: Yeah, and they actually developed this sort of incognito under a different company n- name. And so no one knew they were coming out with this until it started taking off which is pretty cool.
0: Well, check it out. It's House Party, uh, available for iOS and Android? That's right, and it's free. And
5: I actually, I stand corrected. It's eight tiles.
0: Eight tiles. That's all the time we have left. We'll see you again next week on Get Connected.